We're going to be playing whack-a-mole all week <laughs> in the spiritual realm against the prosperity gospels, uh, distortions of what God says is true and good. It's Amen Brother Ben, the podcast that keeps you focused on God and acting like Jesus. And we're going to go after another one today because when the blood of Jesus is good enough for us, but is it good enough for poverty? Did that make sense? I kind of was riffing off of that one. Did that make sense? That if, if the blood of Jesus is good enough to do all the things that it does, according to the Bible, including save your soul from hell, shouldn't it be good enough to save your bank account from bankruptcy or so on and so forth? That's it's kind of the argument that happens here. Um, we've been taking apart and dismantling these twisted doctrines of the false gospel known as the prosperity gospel. One of the things, like we talked yesterday specifically uh, about, what did we talk about yesterday? I'm just, I start sentences. I'm like Michael Scott. I start sentences and I hope I find it on the way there. <laughs> uh, we talked about the Abrahamic covenant, how prosperity preachers, they say, oh, we're children of Abraham. That means we get lots of money. Nope, that's not right. That's not how that works. Uh, but another doctrine that they distort that I want to explain to you a little bit about today involves the blood of Jesus. One of the things that prosperity preachers will tell you is that the blood shed on the cross that was meant as a uh, big word alert, propitiation of our sins, the, the ultimate payment for the debt that we owe God for our sinful state, um, that blood also covers poverty because God don't want you to live in poverty. And why would God, why would God save you and leave you to live in poverty? Well, there's lots of reasons I can think of. Uh, one, because James two, five says, listen to me, God has Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? So right there, the brother of Jesus sets this right and uh, hearkens to what I talked a little bit about yesterday, which is the, uh, what is it called? The, the kingdom of Jesus that is otherworldly. It is not of this world, as, as Jesus told us. His kingdom is not necessarily right here, right now, it's something bigger and it's something for the future. There's another interesting statement that, that Jesus made too, when uh, there was a, a, a woman that anointed Jesus's feet with some very expensive perfume. And everybody's like, oh, well, what are you doing that for? You wasted perfectly good perfume on Jesus's feet. And he, he makes this interesting statement. He says, You'll always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me, right? And I know that doesn't necessarily seem too connected, but Jesus is pointing to the reality that there will always be the poor among us. And so does that mean that Jesus's kingdom is not coming? And does that not mean that, 
that Jesus's blood isn't good enough to to cover that. Well, again, Jesus came to deal with spiritual things. His spiritual kingdom, he came to deal with spiritual deficiencies, the poverty of our soul more so than the poverty of our physical lives. And so Jesus, who was not really well off himself, uh, constantly told his people to love the poor, to be a ministry to the poor, but he never promised worldly gain and worldly, uh, you know, uh, wealth coming from following him. And in fact, again, this is very closely tied to what I was talking about yesterday. He promised quite the opposite. And if you look at the most, uh, look at all the disciples, then none of them went on to be rich and powerful. They died horrible deaths. They were influential, but they gave up their lives for the cause and they gave up the power and the respect. So did the apostle Paul. Every situation that uh, we we see in the word of God where, where he is calling someone to follow him, it usually ends up giving up that, that worldly wealth instead of uh, retaining it and, and even building it. Because Jesus tells us, be careful. This is a, this is a slippery, slippery slope and a, and a slick trap. This, this desire for wealth. He says the, the desire for wealth is the root of all kinds of evil, right? He said that it's harder for a rich man to, or it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. That is the exact opposite of the things that the prosperity gospel will teach you. By the way, just paying attention to the world around you should help you to understand that this is a false gospel because only in in the Western um, comfort of America and North American wealth and affluence can we make these sort of claims about God because there are people all over the world that faith and trust in Jesus and follow him wholeheartedly and they, they live in poverty. Most of the world lives in what we would consider poverty, and yet when we get anywhere close to that, we think that it's it's something that is not of God. But what? How do you apply this this wealth uh, and health prosperity gospel to people in third world countries who love Jesus with all their heart and who do everything they can to follow Him, and yet they barely have two rocks to rub together? How are you going to tell them that the blood of Jesus that they allegedly are living under also means that they won't be poor and then they spend the rest of their life in poverty. It doesn't add up because it is not of God. He's saying, look, follow God and you will be blessed in these ways. Now, listen to me. There will be blessings. And if you take the words of the Proverbs, if you take your the same attitude that Jesus has, because guess what? Jesus always had enough. You notice that? There was always provision from God. God is a provider, but he does it in such a way that we don't replace our worship of him with the worship of his stuff and the things that he gives us. And that's the biggest flaw and the biggest error and the biggest sin of the prosperity gospel is we have taken the things of God and we've elevated them into God's place. 
and we don't want God anymore. We just want his stuff. And most of the followers of the prosperity gospel, that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for more Jesus. They're not looking for a closer relationship with God. They're looking for more of his blessings and more of his stuff. And it was never meant to satisfy us the way a relationship with our savior, Jesus Christ is. So that's the blessing we should be focusing on. That's the wealth we get to enjoy. All right, so I had something postscript I, I was thinking about after I already uh, recorded and was scheduling this post that I wanted to deal with when it comes to Jesus and poverty. You see, some people have asked, isn't poverty, isn't the, the lack of what we need a product of sin? And I wanted to explain that a little bit because it kind of is and it kind of isn't. Uh, there are times where poverty can come in someone's life because of their own sin bad decisions, um, you know, sinful things that have, have natural consequences that lead to their poverty. But that's not always the case. Not all poverty is due to someone's actual sin. But uh, poverty in general, and the fact that there are people in this world that don't have what they want, uh, if you look at what leads to that, whether that be dishonest dealings, whether that be greedy and selfish people elsewhere, that is a a uh, product of the fallen world that we live in, the, the, the sinful world that we are operating in. And so technically Jesus in his, um, in his death and in the blood that, that covered uh, all of our sins, it includes the sins that lead to poverty. But that doesn't mean that we are not still striving in this world full of that poverty and full of that other sin that Jesus died for. And only when he comes back and only when he, when he is in his place ruling and reigning in the things that Revelation has, has called us to hope for, that is when there will be no one with lack and no one in poverty because we will all have what we need because we will all have Jesus and there will be no more sin. And so let's make sure that we understand, yes, Jesus did die because po for poverty because poverty is a result of our sin, but we will not see the uh, total annihilation of that poverty until the day that Jesus returns.